Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep podcast with Gina Glamour and Jason Vaughn. And today we are going to be discussing Christmas. Welcome back. Hey, we're back. Yes. Uh, so, welcome back. A uh, good time of the year to talk about uh, Christmas and the Advent season. Uh, mm. If you were a church calendar kind of guy, you would know it's not called the Christmas season, it's called the Advent season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there's a reason for that because there's actually a celebration of not one, but two Advents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Advent uh, communicating the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, you have, if you think about Biblically, uh, Jesus is not coming once. He's coming twice. Yep. He's already come once, and we await number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Middle Ages, as a matter of fact, uh, in my quick here Google search, <laughs> it's it, the second coming was actually more emphasized. Really? The, which is interesting, because uh, that was like the time of the Dark Ages. That kind of right. makes sense, though, right? Like it when it's dark, yeah. and when it's like, you, there's like, it's almost like hopeless. The kings are evil, and... The yeah. world is evil. It's like, come, Lord Jesus. But when they were living, they didn't call it the Dark Ages. That's true. Right. They just called <laughs> they, it today. <laughs> they, were, they were like, it's yeah. today. They, they didn't even call it the Middle Ages. They it's did like, not. They had no idea they were in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah, and then uh, somewhere after the Renaissance. Yeah. The Italian followed by the European Renaissance. Was that the Enlightenment period? Like uh, That's slightly after the Renaissance. Oh, Renaissance. Okay. Renaissance. So, because the Renaissance brought about the Enlightenment, which is a uh, increase in scientific thinking and a change in the way that we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, going um, uh, yeah, going away from, uh, in some ways, a biblical worldview and mm-hmm. a little bit towards a scientific worldview. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Was it who was one of those early? It wasn't Galileo. He was the astronomy guy. Mm-hmm. But who was the other early like scientist? Oh, kind of famous. But either way, actually, both of them are believers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of those scientists, early scientists were believers. Yes. Yeah. But see, that's an, another thing. They were able to, I think some of them were able to, um, uh, you know, their science came from their faith. Yes. Because of what they understood about God. Yeah. Have Isaac, you ever, Isaac Newton. Yeah. Was a that's believer. the guy. He was a huge believer. I that's think. the other guy. Yeah. So was it? I think it was Newton. I know Steve talked to Mr. Steve Kelly. He will tell you that science is the study of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, um, you know, animals, rocks, plate tectonics, air, birds, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. All that stuff in Genesis one through six. Not seven, because seven was the day he rested. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, somebody got in trouble on Twitter because they joked, I believe, it's literal six-day creationism, mm-hmm. which, of course, we always talk about literal seven-day, but he was actually technically right. Yeah? Yep. Because yeah, you're, you're not creating when you're resting. Yes, on the seventh <laughs> day he rested. So, all right, but today we're going to talk about the Christmas season, which I think is 
kind of important. Always really want to uh, bring to light um, the truth of what Christmas is about. I know there are some people that don't like the term Christmas, and that that's fine. But uh, but the reality is that there is a history in the church of celebrating the advents of Jesus Christ. And so that is this time of year, whereas the Easter season is the time for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then afterwards is the Ascension, right, where they celebrate the Ascension and the day of Pentecost. And so uh, even though we now use the word Pentecost to reference a church uh, denomination or, or a way of thinking along ecclesiology lines with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the, um, and even though we would disagree with them, but... Pentecost also is that kind of reference to the Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, yep, yep all those are part of the church calendar uh, for a long, long, long period of time. And we've kind of gone away from a church calendar as a church culture. And uh, that's fair. I mean, really, I think, you know, I wouldn't indict a church for for having a calendar and for changing the colors of their banners, depending on the season. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I was a part of a church that did that. And I think my only complaint was that they didn't tell people why they changed the colors. They just assumed everybody in the congregation knew. Mm-hmm. And really, I think that that exposes one thing that we actually that issue has, kind of uh, brings to light a lot of why we do what we do on Sunday mornings uh, and kind of what we're doing here, where uh, it's one thing to do what you do in corporate worship, but I think you need to inform your people why you do what you do. I agree. And uh, that's why regularly we'll tell people, Hey, we sing as a congregation, as a choir together. Uh, and that our singing is meant not only to exalt God, but to encourage each other and edify each other and teach each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we first Timothy four thirteen give public attention to the reading of scripture. Uh, and that's why we preach the word, which is interesting because those are, you know, uh, really the, the core issues of corporate worship. And so, uh, trying to inform people, oh, the reason why they preach the word is because Scripture says, preach the word. Yeah. Uh, the reason why you sing is because Scripture says singing corporately is beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And I then, think a lot of times those those, um, those traditions, like the, the calendar almost governed their thinking. Yes. Uh, to a point where it's like the simple things they forgot, maybe. I could be wrong, but... Well, but they and they also didn't have Scripture. Okay. I mean, they did. Sense. They had scripture, but not not everybody was coming to. Not like today. Not like it's yes. on in the palm of your hands, literally. Yes. Twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, there are some people in the in the congregation today who come into church who have a paper Bible and they have the Bible on their phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six hundred years ago, you'd have gone into the congregation with nothing, mm-hmm. with just your clothes and your family. Not even a notebook. Yeah, not even a notebook. Yeah. I mean, you think about that, right? After Gutenberg starts printing the Bibles, even even in the very beginning, uh, they were expensive. So yeah. you had to be pretty rich to have a Bible. It makes sense why three points in a sermon, you know? You can't, yes. you can't remember more than three points no, you if, can't you're remember three points. if you're not taking notes, nope. you know? Nope. That's the <laughs> trinity of the sermon. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then when I say, today's going to be a four-pointer, there's always that look like, can you do it? <laughs> and I'm in the pulpit going, uh, challenge accepted. Yeah. I, I usually I, can't, but it's fine. Yeah, you're like, point three, and like, what happened to point one and two, Jason? Yeah, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle always reminds me when I forget to tell people uh, point one and two. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We, we None of us are perfect. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that church calendar... Uh, and even Lent, Lent is not a Catholic thing, even though we now associate it with the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. 
uh, it was around before the, the today's Roman Catholic Church was the Roman Catholic Church of today, right? There was a time where the Roman Catholic Church was Orthodox and believers, Correct. and their doctrinal changes have thrown them outside of that circle uh, as they became corrupt over time, which you can kind of point back to their leadership on that as well. Mm. And, and so, right, I mean, even that Lent, all of this was meant to help really through the year, walk people and remind people of the gospel through the year. And yep. so in a sense, you're living through the church calendar was a living through different points of emphasis of the gospel. That makes sense. It's almost, um, it, 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 it forces a culture onto a group of people in, in a way that's unique. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, we kind of do that with Christmas and Easter Yes. Uh, and like people come to church twice a year. Yes. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're regular attenders. Yeah, if you're American, that's kind of the, the, the normal thing to yes. do. You regularly attend twice a year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The regulars. They're regulars. But um, yeah, so it's interesting to me too, right? Because you're trying to get, uh, all of that is trying to communicate and keep the gospel centered at people's minds, which is really how, you, which is really a, a unifying element, right? Unity happens when we are striving together for the faith of the gospel, uh, any other any other thought of how to unify your church is is really probably wrong. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're unifying around the cult, the hashtag issues of the day, mm-hmm. that doesn't actually mean you're fighting for the faith of the gospel. But um, right, that that we are coming together, and during I mean, even during Lent, right, it was a time of humility where we are focusing on humility, dying to self for Christ, and for the benefit of others. Amen. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, yeah. And I, I know I know that among conservatives, sometimes that, that oh, we shouldn't celebrate Lent. It's too close to Roman Catholic Church. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've kind of slowed down in judging other churches on that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same token, you know, we do what we do, and we focus on what we do, and we don't do Lent. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, it's always easy to Monday morning quarterback other churches and church leadership. Uh, it's actually really easy to be a critic of church leadership. Uh, it's harder to actually sit in the seat. Yep. And so uh, we, we as leaders have that issue too, right? Where we constantly have to wake up and remember mm-hmm. the goal of what we're about and not let not let some of the little things blow up into big things uh, and keep keep the mountains where the mountains are and the molehills where the molehills are. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and that's really the danger of, of our life is that the molehills become the mountains and the mountains become the molehills. Yes. And so even during Christmas season, right, the temptation is to go, oh, this is about, you know, prime rib on, on Christmas Day and gifts. And did we, did we buy an equal amount of gifts for all of our kids? You know, mm-hmm. are our kids going to have a good enough Christmas because of the gifts they have? And it's kind of like, wow, that, that 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 should not be the defining element of Christmas, right? Yeah, I think like you know, it's it's important, to, especially if you have kids, right? Like to um, center their hearts on on really what Christmas is, and and uh, uh, you know, really lifting up Jesus Christ as the yes. main kind of object of our worship. Yes, well, not just on Christmas, obviously, but like not to get lost in Christmas things. Yes. Christmas movies, Christmas trees, all those are fun and, and great. And, and, um, but you got to always bring it back to the core, which is Jesus. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting too. Uh, what you said, cause I, it brought up the question of can Christians do Santa? 
Oh, yeah. I think we should answer that. I now, right. by the way, my answer is a little controversial. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I always get in trouble by somebody for my answer on that. Okay, uh, but but if you look at my answer from the big picture, all right. So yeah, what's your answer? Well, let's get to that later. <laughs> what? Yo, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was no, that a teaser? No, okay, no, so no, no, no. Well, you got to wait to the end yes, to hear it. I think the point, I think the thing too, though, is I want to make this podcast about what Christmas is about. Amen. Yeah, and it's not about Santa. Correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, Gino, when, when, when you hear Christmas and somebody says, Gino, what's Christmas about? What's Christmas about? Yeah, it's, the, it's Christ coming in the flesh for me. I, that's such an important way to phrase it in my mind because... Um, you know, we think of Christ uh, just simply coming as a baby, but the significance of that, it, it, like, is it, not so great when you realize that He, the Son of God, has eternally existed. Oh yeah, and He decides to come and put on flesh. But now the big question is why? Yeah, He's He's um, His plan uh, of bringing about the new covenant um, is is uh, being fulfilled in a way that, um, gosh. Maybe a few people during his time might have uh, expected, or even s- slightly expected, uh, the, the 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 that the Davidic covenant was actually being fulfilled at that very moment. Ooh, yeah, I like it. Um, you said a lot there because you talked about prophecy, the Davidic covenant. Uh, do you do you think it's important for us to kind of understand those elements? Absolutely. Okay, so maybe walk me through your prophecy part. Yeah, so, uh, well, Second uh, Samuel 7, right, um, uh, Davidic covenant, uh, there will come uh, a king who will rule from uh, the throne of David. Okay. And so that expectation is carried throughout the prophets, both major and minor prophets, just elements of it, and uh, it comes to fruition in the new covenant, which Jesus brings about. Uh, through his death and resurrection, yeah. It, so, so Second Samuel seven eight. Uh, now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts: I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies the Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits inequity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Mm, yeah, that yeah. seed of hope that, that his throne will, will endure forever is something that uh, faithful Israelites held on to. Yes. And they looked for it. And the problem is they set up their own expectations, yeah. not really God's expectations. They, they, yeah, well, and that's the interesting part, right? You read the New Testament, and in the Gospels, you have uh, the Pharisees and the, the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees, 
And they understood the coming David, mm-hmm. and they were looking forward to that coming seed. The problem is they redefined him for a political leader. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is part, you know, partly true. You, you, and the funny part is, you still see that in humans today. Yes. In that they're they're sometimes I think Christians are more looking for a political party to save us mm-hmm. from the sins of this earth, rather than realizing Jesus is the one who saves us right. from the sins of the earth. Right, and that's why people who um, reject God and Jesus Christ, uh, they're forever going to be frustrated. Yes, because they're the, the the very hope they're looking for comes only in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yep, whom they'll never find in a man or an ideology, or a government that they can create. Right. So. Yeah, and uh, which is sad. It is sad. You know, uh, uh, Orwell and. Uh, Huxley in their books, you know, 1984 and Brave New World. It's interesting, right? Because both of them almost have the premise of, "Hey, humans accomplished their utopia, but look, there's a there's a there's a chink in the army. There is a problem here that you can't that utopia is not ever going to be utopia yep. because human beings are going to be there, and the sinful human beings are always going to be yes until Christ returns and sets up His kingdom. Yep. Then you have perfection." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I actually think a lot of that like frustration with the sinfulness of the world is ingrained in us to long for his kingdom on earth. Hence the Middle Ages, they longed for the second coming of Christ. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. The second coming, right, is is the riding of all of yeah. those ships. Yeah. And so in a way, the Christmas season, you could look forward to it and say, right, not only look back on baby Jesus, but look forward to King Jesus who conquers and reigns and rules. Mm-hmm. Better than David, better than Sam, um, not Samuel, better than Solomon. his son Solomon, yeah. and better than Aragorn. <laughs> You're right. He's like he's like your favorite character, Gandalf and Aragorn at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because David understands this prophecy. Yes, because when he writes Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, right. Yahweh says to Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Mm. The Lord will stretch forth your scepter, your scepter from Zion. And there you have, right, the the handpiece, the tool of a king, the scepter, and Zion, uh, where the kingdom will be set up, rule in the midst of your enemies. Mm. And so, you know, uh, your people will, will volunteer freely in the day of your power. And that's interesting, right? Because a lot of times kings, I'm listening to uh, this this book on Longshanks, mm-hmm. right? And Longshanks is the king from William Wallace, but he was actually a really good English king. Mm-hmm. If you, you realize that Braveheart's a movie that does what movie things do and makes him look like the bad guy, he's actually a phenomenal king. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the few English kings. But he just made Mel Gibson mad. He did. He, he, he totally made Mel Gibson mad. The interesting part is in Braveheart, they talk about um, how they, they, they quartered, you know, uh, William Wallace and stuck him around England. Uh-huh. He actually did that to the Prince of Wales. Oh, wow. So I don't know if he did it to Wallace. I'll get there at some point in the book, yeah. but he did it to the Prince of Wales, which might be why, you know, that part that, that William, William Wallace referenced, you yeah. know, references that he's a vile king. But yeah. Well, it goes to show that even good kings, they can't do everything right. No, they can't do everything right. They, they, yeah. And so, like, you, gosh, and you look at all the, the world dictators, in their mind, they think they're doing good. Yes. Like, North Korean leader thinks he's doing good. Yes. A Venezuelan leader thinks he's doing great. And if yeah. you look at their countries, people are suffering greatly. Yeah. And, um, gosh, I, I just watched a Venezuelan documentary 
um, and the people are it's crazy because they they're putting up idols and we're not even talking about idols uh, of saints these these saints are actually ex gangsters who wow. who are like Robin Hood so they have these statues of ex gangsters yeah and they would pray to them asking for miracles and I thought wow the the level of idolatry that's happening here is so perverted Ugh. to where they're not even looking to saints they're looking right. to like people you know. They're digging up graves and worshiping bones and just crazy stuff. I think that's right. I think that's common for man. We are looking for a human to save us. We are, yeah, yeah, and we're looking for a king that's going to do that. And I always wondered why in the Old Testament they're always looking for like uh, like righteousness, yes. you know, justice. Um, Same no, thing we're looking for. For some way, we're looking for that, but only God could be fully righteous, fully justice, yep. fully just. Yep. Um, you can't find that in a, in a sinful human being. Yeah, only and, in a sinless human being. Yeah, and and just so because you're not saying that at any level are we validating or condoning unrighteousness or injustice. Mm-hmm. You're just, I mean, this is the reality of no matter how hard we fight, it's not going to happen until he's king. Right. Yeah. On yeah. earth. Yep. Uh, every yeah. and and every good king that we think is good, or every good president that we thought was good, yeah. like someone's mad at him. Yes. <laughs> right? He, yeah. He made someone mad. Yeah. So. Well, can't. under Longshanks and under Venezuela and under Hitler and under and under all, Stalin and all these kings, there were people that worked not voluntarily, mm-hmm. but because if they didn't work, that was their life. And what's interesting is about Jesus' rule, according to David in Psalm 110, verse 3, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a willingness to serve him and to serve him the way he wants to be served. Yeah. And I, I think that's important, right? Not only are they serving him, but they're willing to serve him in the way that he asks them to serve. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a, that shows a great amount of trust in the king. Yes, right? like a great amount of faith in him. Yes, perfect trust and perfect faith. Yes, you can only have that in a righteous and and yeah. holy and holy God. Yeah, and so you have redeemed people, you know, with the Holy Spirit doing what redeemed people do. Under the headship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Which the church can provide a picture of that. Yes. Yes. Which is sometimes why I think fellowship with the church is a glimmer of heaven. It is. Because you you see redeemed people, gospel-centered people, gracious gospel people who are willing to endure the immaturity of others for the for their benefit because we just love them. Yeah. Yeah. So although the kingdom in its uh, full fruition is not here, kingdom citizens exist. Yes. Yeah. Which um which is a major part of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that right so that Christmas there there's your Christmas hope, right? Uh as frustrating as this world can be. I can't remember who said it. I think a lot of people have said it. That frustration should even remind us that we are citizens of a different kingdom and that kingdom is not right here. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The United States is not my kingdom. Mm-hmm. Nevada is not my kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, for me, that helps me be more patient. Yes, with 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 the world and um, yes, uh, because we know that even like best case scenario, we can change their behavior, yes. but if their hearts are not changed, they're just going to go back to the, the the same root, which is yeah, pride, yeah, selfishness. So even no matter how right you are. Yeah, when I, or political right, yeah. um, or how free we are as a country. Yeah, if we don't have, if our hearts are not converted, yep, um, and we're not citizens of the kingdom, we miss the boat. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, the The Mormons are always that example to me that you can be. I mean, 
it's white, hard whitewashed it, tombs. Yes, it's hard not to look at them yeah. and go, "Wow, they're great family people. They're super. They're mm. super nice. They they're politically where I want them to be, and yet they don't know who Jesus Christ is." Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is. Yep. Well, so okay, so yeah, Christmas. You know, kind of summarize what you're saying is one. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So I think I think two right like. December 25th and this time season is a time to remember, wow, God already is fulfilling his prophecy. Yes. And we know that God fulfills his prophecy because Jesus has come in the flesh. Mm. Yeah, he was incarnate. He has dwelt among us. He is the begotten one, to use uh, technical Trinitarian terms, right, in that, that he, he took on flesh, begotten of, of the Virgin Mary, and was a born a baby the way the same way every other human being is born, um, and was raised as a child by Mary and Joseph. You know, probably cried when he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew in wisdom and stature, according to Luke. Uh, in every way, like you and I, human beings, yet without sin. Uh, and then, right. I think that's the part two we remember in Christmas is it's the fulfillment of prophecy and the birth of Jesus is the beginning of the cross story. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, and I think the birth and the beginning of the cross story are the, the culturally, the ones that I think if you went around to everybody in your church and asked them what Christmas is about, I think that would be your top two answers. Yeah, it's like part, it's like part one of the trilogy, right? It's cr- yes. cradle, cross and crown. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did you Google that? No. Okay. I just remember the song. Oh, And then the book. (laughs) Oh, see? There's there's your music coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I love that summary. Yeah. Cradle Cross Crown. Yeah. Like he, like part one, unexpected hero is born in, in, uh, you know, it's it's that ancient, uh, it's that ancient expectation expectation that, um, you know, man would save humanity, but man, it's the God man. Yes. Right? And then cross the hero dies, but he's resurrected. And then crowned, he he'll he will be crowned ultimately as the king of the the world. Yeah, yeah. So now you're right. Yeah, cradle cross yeah. crown, cradle cross crown. I like it. Yep. Yeah, but then I think we need to add coming back. Yes. Well, that's yeah. the crown. Well, that's the crown. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the part king. is the part is understanding what's the, the last... crown as the coming back. Yeah. What's the what's the last trilo- uh, the last movie? In, the uh, king. The the king, the king has returned. The king was returned. Or the yeah, king, yeah. the king. Uh, Return of the king. Return of the king. Return yeah, of the king. Yeah, yeah. See, that's fair. And the funny L-O-T-R. part is, it's that time of year where we watch Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yes. Got to get my DVD player working though. Yeah, we got to get. We, we got to go to Mordor. We got so much to do. <laughs> Shelob. I mean, you know, we got to keep it secret, keep it safe. Yeah, it's crazy. It's interesting because you know, even Cradle Cross Crown. Uh, see, there's your music, but my English background reminds me of John Milton's poem on the morning of Christ's nativity. Oh, and, uh, Milton will be in heaven from what we know. Mm. Guy was a born again believer, awesome. loved Jesus Christ. Uh, even, even in the biographical lecture that I heard on him, uh, had a wife who left him, uh, and she came back to him Wow! and he took her in. Wow. Took her back. Because he wanted to restore his marriage. Wow. And so he actually wrote uh, Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained. He was blind when he wrote it. Gee. Somebody came in and sat down next to him, and he told them what to say or what to write down, and they wrote down what he said. Mm. 
So he dictated Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained. That's crazy. Uh, and Paradise Lost is super influential in Christendom because I think it's there where the apple idea is written down. Oh, okay. And so we think of Eve as presenting an apple mm. to um, to Adam, whereas it probably wasn't an apple. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. In the More Philippines, like. they, they all thought it was a mango, so. Huh. Makes sense. If I had to bet, <laughs> I would have bet on fig. Fig? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have been a vegetable ribeye, <laughs> which actually makes the most sense. Yeah. On the outside. It's yeah, crusty. not soy. It was oh, yeah. not soy. There was a, no yeah. soy. What is this warm fruit? Yeah. Crusty on the outside, peppered and salted perfectly. On oh, the inside, it's juicy. juicy red. Yes. I'll oh, see. Yeah, see? That might have got me. Uh but but I, sh- I I do want to just be very clear. It was not soy. It was not tofu? It was not tofu. Probably not. No, there was no tofu in Eden. Uh, but there was probably coffee. Uh, okay, so what we have with Christmas is prophecy fulfilled, Jesus in the flesh... But but I think that I think just to kind of camp out a little bit on what what you're saying, um, when we think about Christmas, I would want to push the envelope a bit and 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 try to get try to influence people to think about Christmas as the second advent as much as the first advent. I think it's it's not hard or it's easier in these times. It there, is easier in these times. I think everyone's come, kind of like, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. In this year, we're sick and death of this. We're sick of this year. Yeah. Pun intended. And uh, we're, we're ready. Uh, but, uh, but, but I would hope, right? And that's why I love joy to the world at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Because joy to the world, I think, is actually more about the second return than it mm-hmm. is the first return. All those are, uh, is, are those Isaiah references? I think so. Yeah, those kingdom references. Yep. Joy second, third voice. World. Yeah, he rules the world. Yep. With the, yeah. Yep. With truth and grace. Yep. Yep. And that that's, yeah, that, you know, that's what we want from our political leaders. Mm. Um, but that's what really only he can do. Yes. Yeah, and he's going to be the kind of political leader that gives the gospel. Yep. Yep, so he'll be the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the second coming, right, in church history was a celebration of both Advents, as you brought up, the Middle Ages. Uh, it was more of an emphasis of the second coming. And I would just want to encourage you to kind of think along those lines that, you know, uh, Christmas is about both Advents. And so in your mind, if it's only about baby Jesus, then I would say you're not stretching it far enough. Mm-hmm. And so you think about the reality that he's returning, he's coming back, and his kingdom is being established. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about um, this a couple weeks ago in our Hebrews, in our, in our men's Hebrews discussion, right, where we talked about uh, – we talked about – uh, the warning passage there, beginning in verse uh, chapter twelve, verse twenty-five. Nope, verse eighteen. And to think about the second coming as reality. Some people use "already not yet," which is kind of fair. Mm-hmm. But but in that Hebrews context of chapter eleven, you've received the promise, although maybe you haven't. You you're not in the promise. 
Mm-hmm. And so Abraham was looking for a better city, a lasting city, and he believed that he was a part of that lasting city, even though he was living, not living in the lasting city. Hmm. And so Hebrews twelve eighteen, for you have not come to a mountain that can be touched into a blazing fire into darkness and gloom and whirlwind. And he's talking about uh, he's talking about Moses at the at the mountain Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai yeah. yeah, and the receiving of of the law, hmm. and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word would be spoken, for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. Okay, so that that's we are not there. We're not at Mount Sinai. And mm-hmm. and even in the argument of Hebrews, it's that reality is you're not under the old covenant. You're not under the Mosaic law. You're not why are you not there, as the authors already explained, because something better has come. Yeah. And so what better has come? And here he reminds us, but you have come to Mount Zion. Mm. Right again, which is the kingly mountain yep. where 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 he reigns from, where his castle is on, and mm-hmm. you know his throne's there, and to the city of the living God. I inserted castle by the way, just, <laughs> you know, picturesque. It yeah. makes sense, yeah. And to the city of the living God, which is the heavenly Jerusalem, mm. and to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Mm. And so, right, the picture here in 22 to 24 is that reality that you, believer, are a part of the promised kingdom that is to come. Yeah. And so, like, that's where you're going to be. It's a, it's a way better kingdom because it's a permanent kingdom. It's mediated by a permanent priesthood, a yes. permanent ruler who's never sinful, uh, a, a perfect priest who gives himself up for um, uh, access to God. Yes. It's a, it's simply amazing. Like yeah. thinking of thinking uh, of the Israelites coming from the foot of Sinai where they touch the mountain they die. Yes. to a gracious um, access to the Father at any point as long as we have the blood of Christ. That's that's just, he's trying to, I think he's almost trying to paint, like, why would you go back? Right. Like, there's no reason why you need to go back. This is way better. Like, don't, 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 don't slide backwards. You go forward, move forward towards the, the, the new kingdom, the better kingdom, the better priest, better king. Right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, think about even what John says in Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new oh, heaven yeah. and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And I I think, Hmm. right, there's that emphasis of community, communion, relationship, uh, the banquet table face-to-face with Christ, uh, right? These, These are pictures of the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. And it's that God will dwell among us. You know, verse verse 3, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And I think that among would be emphatic here for our understanding that, that we don't see him right now, but there's coming a day where we sit around him and we see him. Ah. You know, and so they shall be his people, like I will be his people. You know, like I think we can read that. But, but if you believe in Christ and you love Christ, put yourself in there. I am his person. Yeah. I'm a part of his people. And God himself, again, emphatic, will be among them. 
And verse four kind of paints a picture of, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So the Christmas season is that celebration of, listen, it's, there's coming a time of like eternal bliss yeah. in Christ's presence mm. before him. Amen. Always. Yeah. I think that's why it's so, uh, so there's so much joy when the church does come together. It's, yes. it's, it, it really is the closest thing we have to heaven. Yeah. I mean, this, the citizens coming together, celebrating the king. I mean, there's nothing that's more euphoric or yeah. like, joyful. Yeah, and that, that's even why um, in Hebrews 6, right, to kind of, like, the, there is some, there's some overlap of Hebrews 12 and, and Revelation 21. But in Hebrews 6, right, he says of the people that have fallen away, they have, taste, they, uh, they have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, mm. right? Why describe that holy gift as heavenly? And it, it's because, right, that's the, that's the dwelling place of what we have, right? We've all been blessed with every spiritual blessing, with all the heavenly blessings from Ephesians. Mm-hmm. And here it's kind of the same way, right? Um, where we've tasted of the heavenly gift and been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. And so these people that have come in among the church, they have seen, they've been enlightened and been able to taste what heaven's going to be like in a sense. Not, not, yeah. not in its fullest sense, right? Because there's still sin in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you know, people still make mistakes. And you have immature believers and mature believers. But, but you've been enlightened, you've tasted of the heavenly gift and been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. I think that reference, right, is this forward-looking kind of, right, again, Hebrews 12, hey, this is your reality, is that heavenly reality, that heavenly kingdom with Jesus Christ at the throne that you're face-to-face and sitting in the chair in the, you know, you're mm. there and he knows your name, right? You're not in a mega church where the pastors never wouldn't recognize you in the grocery store. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a mega church where Jesus knows you in the grocery store, mm. you know? And, um, and so those who have fallen away, he's saying like, Hey, they, at some level, they kind of saw what, what heaven was going to be like and they rejected it. They walked away. <laughs> I couldn't help but thinking of Jesus in the coffee aisle being like, Hey, Hebrews. You oh, know? that wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. See, my wife always gives me a hard time for these dad jokes, but uh, I think she's just jealous. Yeah. So yeah. we'll pray for her. Well, I mean, can you imagine our wives telling jokes to one another? It'd be the funniest thing. I would watch. love to sit in on that conversation. <laughs> I would almost pay money. Mom jokes. Mom jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, dad jokes, yeah. I mean, anyway. they're elevated, you know. They are. <laughs> I like it. That was good. I caught what you did there. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So dad jokes. So basically, if you're listening to this podcast still, what you've learned is that uh, Jesus is that Christmas is about both comings and dad jokes are supreme. Amen. Honestly, I don't know what else we could talk about. <laughs> Jesus and dad jokes. That's pretty good. We did not talk about coffee, which, by the way, today was brought to us by Gino, who picked us up some Publicus. Yeah. That Publicus, was good. Publicus blend. It was good today. It was good today. Yeah. And then I went ahead and supplemented it with my normal Perrier. Yeah. I cleaned out my truck today. There was like seven Perrier lids in the truck. Wow. Yeah, it was funny. I put them in an empty coffee cup, and I thought, man, that's probably the most fitting me picture in the world. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so with Christmas, um, 
So we're, we want, we, I think you need to teach your children both. You need to remind your children, you remind your family of both, but, but husbands, I think you got to lead. You yeah. got to lead in this way. You got to remind your family what Christmas is about. Yeah. And you've got to talk to them about both. And I think it's, it's our job as men of the house to, to, to remind people that this is not the kingdom, that mm-hmm. this isn't it, that it's, that what's coming is better. Mm-hmm. You know, and even even if you're an all millennial and 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 reject the the, the millennial kingdom, uh, you still are looking forward to the kingdom to come. Yeah. You're still looking for the new forward to the new heavens and the new Jerusalem, yep. and you're still looking forward to that reality, right? And so, even then, I would say you're 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 in a bad position if you think this is it. Like it doesn't matter what your eschatology is if you think this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, then then in my mind. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is kind of pushing you a little bit to go like, man, right? Because Christ is coming back. Yes. Yeah. I think that in church history, the denial of his second return is a heretical yep. view, that is which heresy. is interesting that they, they put you in the heretical category. Yeah. Yeah. All you of us take, are. Yeah. If yeah. Jesus doesn't come again, you take away all hope. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it mean that he's the first fruits if we don't resurrect with him? You know what I mean? Like, so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that series is coming. Yeah, I like it. Oh, yeah, the Resurrection series. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I've already started stacking books. And yeah. That's we'll great, see. actually. It's for the new year. It is. New life. Yeah, new life. Ooh. Yeah. Come on, preach it, preacher. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right, but but the reality of, of his resurrection, though, as, as the firstborn and as the firstfruits, is that reality that we are united to him and we follow him. Yes. And so that, that second coming, we are a part of that in that we are resurrected to new life. Amen. And so that, that kingdom, right. Even, uh, we always say like, right. I hope to be faithful till he returns or till the Lord calls me home. But you know, that, that res- being resurrected to him is phenomenal is just should bring us hope. And the reality that, Man, the kingdom is coming to earth, and I'm going to be a part of the new heavens and the new earth. And hopefully Christmas is drawing you to that. That's our plug for the Resurrection Podcast. It was. Coming yeah. soon. You know what we might do? I, I don't See, I don't want to promise things on air because then people be like, you didn't do it. I'm like, eh. It's true. Uh, but there was a part of me that was like, maybe on the Resurrection sermons, we should do a what we didn't say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll see what we can do. I'll take notes when you're preaching. Be like, okay. you didn't say this. You didn't say this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so in your in your Christmas celebration, I would talk about not only you know, baby Jesus and your three wise men. Right, everybody has a nativity scene. <laughs> maybe what you need to do is tell the wife, wife, put a put a castle next to that nativity. We actually scene. don't have a nativity scene. Ooh, I think we, have we like should have six. a kingdom scene, though. See, exactly. Oh, you know what? That that would sell on Amazon. No, sorry. Yes, my business mind. Yeah, no, working there, honey. We have to buy this this kingdom Lego set. I was just gonna say Legos. Yes, and we're gonna put it up next to the nativity, and this yeah. is our Christmas castle. Jesus standing on the top, laser beams coming out of his eyes. Yes, judgment. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean he's coming to judge and to deal with death or to deal with sin once and for all. Yeah. And so maybe maybe it's the time to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love the nativity stuff. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But maybe there should be a castle next to your nativity scene. That's true. You know, I mean, we, we, we do have lots of imagery historically of, uh, of cradle and yes. cross, but yes. not a crown. 
Yes. In fact, I'm looking at our at, at our beautiful tree that it does have churches on it. But I think I'm going to have to talk to the wife about putting a, a castle on it. On the top, maybe? Oh, see? Yeah. On the top. Yeah. Ooh, does, she even, does she even have anything on the top? Ooh, I'm going to have to talk yeah. to her about that. Do a star with a oh. castle. Castle yeah. star. It's very pretty. It's missing the star. How, how, how are you going to find Jesus? I don't, exactly. <laughs> it's very pretty from what from what other people say. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not a good judge of these things. It's very I see sweet. something and I'm like, oh, that's cute. And Kyle's like, no, that's gross. Oh, no, that's gross. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in, I'm always instructed on what what really is and isn't good. Uh, okay, so right, but but it's our job to teach them these things, and you know during the Christmas season, uh, it always brings right the Christmas season. I think for most people is still a time of family and fellowship. Yeah, uh, obviously the gifts are a big part of it, mm-hmm. and and you know if you want to give gifts, give gifts. I don't to me that doesn't bother me. Uh, I, you know, I'm in the world of, if I could, I could, we probably wouldn't give gifts. Yeah. We would just probably have, I, I try to use gifts as teaching grace Yeah, there you because go. like, you know, that's the, yeah. it's, I don't want my kids to be like always expecting gifts, Yeah, but we give gifts as parents because it's just a thing we do out of grace, out of love, out yeah. of kindness. Well, and that's, I mean, grace is the word for gift. Exactly. Yeah. In the Greek. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, you know, look. If a family wants to, there's almost like for me, however you want to celebrate Christmas, just don't sin. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sin. You know, so we've been, I had, I bought this advent calendar thing like three years ago in some garage sale. Oh yeah. And my kids are finally old enough to like read, Yeah, you know? So I've been stuffing like uh, advent verses in there, but I think the last five days I'm going to put like King verses. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cause it's still empty. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Yeah, that'll that'll and that'll help us like just focus on, you know, verses that kind of point to his yeah. kingship and his yeah. rule. So. Well, that's interesting too. Uh, at, at the church we're at right now, I don't know if you noticed they have the Advent um, candles. Oh, I didn't notice. Oh, on the uh, yes, on the on stage. The, yes. Oh, I didn't know they're Advent candles. Those okay. are Advent candles, and so the the purpose is each each Sunday before Christmas is to write to light one of those candles. Mm. And so the Sunday before Christmas, you have all four candles lit. Oh. And that, that indicates you're in week four of the Advent season. Oh. And then you light the big one on, on your Christmas service. Oh. And that's, so it's kind of a way, it's a visual. Yeah. Again, it's, it's a part of yeah. uh, what, what some theologians would put into a higher liturgy. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's high and low. And, yeah. and what they're not saying with that is more holy, less holy. Yeah. Um, that's kind of more my, st- I'd rather do that than like a, you know, a, a special dance or play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, no plays, no, plays. no dancing. Yeah. yeah. We're too Baptist oh. for dancing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So that those cal- that calendar up there or not the calendar, but the candles. Mm. Yeah. And they're not scented. Oh, there's there's no bad. essential oils in them. They should have at least like frankincense. And <laughs> if we, you know. Do we even know what that smells like? Uh, I don't know. Pine, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Balsam. Uh, Balsam. What else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was probably, it was probably the stuff. I mean, it was, that was probably like. Ointment. Yeah. That, that was probably like. You know what? It was probably organic at least. Yeah. I just imagine the husband of the house being like, oh, that frankincense just gets to me after a while. Yeah. See, the oils have been around for, you know, wives have been messing with oils for a long time. Yep. Just put them on your feet. <laughs> okay. So uh, 
Yeah. So during the Christmas time though, I just kind of want to ask this question. Like uh, Christmas season does present some problems. One is navigating family. Yeah. And sometimes navigating your spouse or your spouse's expectations. Yep. So I would want to say this, uh, navigating expectations, even among your own spouse. Like I think about like a young couple who just got married or this, is their first Christmas together, oh. like slow down mm. and lower your expectations and talk through it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't, expectations don't increase until you have kids because then you're like, oh, we got to have these family traditions oh, with kids. And yeah. But remember when it was just us two, yeah. it's like, oh, it didn't matter how big the tree was. It was not matter right. how, you know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think one thing I would even say to that is it's okay to do Christmas how you want to do Christmas. It's okay to break from the way you grew up with your Christmas traditions. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's actually uh, there's actually somebody in the church that grew up not celebrating Christmas. Yeah. And married somebody who did celebrate Christmas. Mm. And so, you know, do you pick a side at that point? Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle and I were like, hey, at some point we were like, we want to do what we want to do for Christmas. Right. So we just kind of thought about the way we grew up and said, hey, that's that was good. That was nice. But you know what? Let's do it our way mm-hmm. and make it our own thing. Yeah. And then when my kids, you know, get older, get married, and I'm not going to expect them to celebrate Christmas the way I celebrate Christmas. Right. You know, I, I pray that my, my boys lead their families in first and second advent theology. Yes. But, you know, if they don't want to have prime rib on Christmas Day, then okay. Yeah. If you don't, well, maybe that's the important thing, right? You're, you're camping out on um, what the meaning of it. Yes. Every, every other preferential thing around it, that can change. Yes. But our prayer is that our children would celebrate the essence of it. Yes. Which is, you know... Create a cross crown. Yeah. And if they yeah, and if they're saved, I think they're gonna want to celebrate that. Yes. Yeah. But let's be honest. I mean, believers are celebrating Cradle Cross Crown every day of the year. Mm-hmm. You if you need the Christmas season to celebrate Cradle Cross Crown, right, then I would push you to say you, you need to do a lot more thinking about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like the gospel may not be as much of a treasure to you as it should be. It's challenging, right? Because for whatever reason, that's the season brings a certain amount of nostalgia, a certain yes. amount of euphoria, and just like this, uh, you know, people are just generally nicer as yeah. long as you're not in a Kmart or a Walmart park, parking lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. generally speaking, people are, are, are tend to be nicer. Yeah. So like people feel better. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I'd rather connect those feelings to like who Christ is yes, rather than, you yeah. know, I think about that song. It's the holiday season. Yeah. 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 And that's like, that song is always played to kind of like communicate the, that what you just talked about that, yes. like, you know, or I'm not that on feel Facebook. Good. That yeah. feel good feeling. Yeah. I post yeah. every now and then on Facebook like I did today, but I don't really, I'm not really on it. I don't scan things, but it's always interesting to me every year. Like people are like, it's the holiday, it's the Christmas season. Can we come together for this? And it's like, what's in your, what is in your heart driving you to be more long suffering with people that January through November isn't there? Right. You know, that is interesting. Yeah. Or, or in Thanksgiving, let's, Let's have 30, I'm going to try 30 days of thankfulness. And I'm like, let's try 365 days of thankfulness Ooh. because that's worship. Yeah. You know, content people worship Christ rightfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think you know, I would just want to say to a couple or any couple, listen, you as a family decide what kind of traditions you want to do. 
And it's okay if your spouse isn't as excited about some of the traditions as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be honest, I don't care if we ever decorate for Christmas. Right. And when we first got married, I just always asked Kyla, please don't do it till after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then I remember realizing, you know what? Like, Kyla loves the Christmas season and she loves the Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. And then I said to her last year, put them up whenever you want. And she was like, no, nah, after, after Thanksgiving. I was like, no, whatever you want. She's like, is this a trick? <laughs> no, do whatever you want. And so she finally, like last year, was like, why? And I was like, because you like it. And I right. like that you like it and I want you to like it. Yeah. And so it was this kind of like revolutionary, like, uh, hey, uh, my wife enjoys it. Do it. Hang it up. And then, you know, she so wants, I don't if, care what she takes it down. What if put up the Christmas decorations mean you have to put it up? <laughs> well, sometimes you need to have a prayer meeting with your wife. Uh, honey, I'll pray for you. That I don't know because in my house, I just sit here and I look up and I'm like, oh, there's garland. Yeah. Oh, wow, there's more garland. Oh, there's a wreath. By the way, Jana was hilarious because she goes, look, we have four trees and these green circles. And I said, a wreath? <laughs> and she just looked at me and kind of like, no, dude. No. Green circles. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was so funny. She's green so... circles. Wreath? Uh, green circles. Oh, that was girl. Good. She was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, so I think with expectations for your family on Christmas, I mean, men, uh, you know, or if your wife listened to this, you, you need to sit down and probably talk to your spouse about it and be gracious and realize that they yeah. may not be on board with one or two of your ideas. Uh, the goal of marriage is not to integrate your spouse into the way you grew up with Christmas, mm-hmm. right? And so if you grew up with Christmas with like, hey, we each opened 75,000 gifts and your spouse is like, uh, I can't, like, that's just too much. Yeah. Like, find, find something that works for both of you. Yeah. Uh, also... I would even go. I would even go a step further. Like, don't go into debt for Christmas. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be paying off Christmas by June. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's not worth it. I didn't realize people did that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually a big problem. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, and hopefully we're not getting away from Christ and Christmas. I just when I think of the Christmas thing, Christmas yeah. thing, these are questions that always come up. Well, those things do drive us away. Yes. Without like like you know. Um, unknowingly, we, we, um, uh, those, those preferential things always do that in every issue in life, right? Yes. They tend to, they tend to take us away from the main things. Well, and, and I don't know about you, but every Christmas I just get busy and yeah. I'm like, we don't, we don't have Bible study this week, which, you know, usually we pause the Bible studies because we recognize it. Every, all these families are way busy with family things. Mm-hmm. Go enjoy your family. Yeah. We'll come back. Pick it up. There's a, there's a season for Bible studies, and in those seasons, learn love and fellowship. And if you miss the fellowship, have people from your church over. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if you need to pray with them, pray with them. But but here's like, but when it comes to the holiday season, like the Christmas season, sometimes it gets so busy that you're like, wow, I was up all day doing all these things for Christmas, mm. and it can be almost exhausting. Yeah. And so I think having that balance of okay. You know, we're, I'm doing this to serve my wife. I'm doing this to serve my family. You know, we want to have a, we, you know, for us, we try to make it a family time mm-hmm. where we can, where we can enjoy our fellowship. Yeah. Hang out together. I'm in management. I manage the the, the, the kids as they decorate the trees. Yes. See, that's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. I was very, very happy this year. Oh, uh, good, they're, man. They're yeah. Big, Cause your kids are getting there. Yeah. They're getting big enough to. Yeah. Do they have to use a stepladder? They sure did. Yeah. Actually. Okay. I like yeah. it. Yeah. 
they use a stepladder. They connected things together. Like, yeah. and uh, I was just like, it didn't, and it didn't look as good as mine, but I didn't have to do it. So, well, see, yeah, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's even good too. Like, I I look back on some of those Christmas years, and you know, like at one point, every ornament was above a certain level uh. to keep the kids from touching it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And then you know, a year later, every ornament's below a certain level because they put them up. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah. uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how like, uh, you know, and, and that's fun. And so that's the part of like, in, you know, even for us, enjoy the season that you have. Yeah. Realize that it's different with teenagers and that's okay. Enjoy what you have at the time you have it mm. and be thankful that this year we get to do this. Remember Christ, have our family fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. How does Christ and Santa Claus work? Oh, uh, see, <laughs> I was I was gonna let it go. Uh, you can't you can't bring it up and not. Oh, I know. It, yeah. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think for me, right that that's where I sit down and I say I hear people say if you do Santa Claus, you're potentially lying to your kids, or the the the, the Santa Claus is coming to town. Like, and people pick out that line, he sees you when you're sleeping. You're teaching kids that he's omnis- omniscient and omnipresent. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go back to, like, I kind of ask a question. Like, when we sing a song like that, do do we understand that's not a hymn? Right. And so I hear Christians say that, and I think I think you would have weight in what you just said. If that were a hymn. Or if he sang at a church. Yes. Which we don't. We don't. Nope. So it's not a hymn. It's not, right? It's not a church service. Nope. It's a radio song. It's it's a radio song. It's a fun holiday jingle. Right. Um, and by the way, there's jingle bells. Yeah, it's a category of music that does not communicate truth. Yes. Yeah. And so in the Santa, in the playing Santa Claus, and by the way, I grew up where my parents played Santa Claus. What, you, you mean like they wore Santa Claus? Yeah, like they did the they whole dressed like, up. Santa, well, no, they just said, hey, Santa Claus came and you have a gift. Oh, blah, gotcha, blah, blah. gotcha. Right, and so what I always hear, let me, maybe I, maybe maybe this is See, the, my problem is Santa Claus didn't come to Guam, so. Oh, he didn't? No, it was too oh, far. Oh, yeah, it's kind of. He missed it. It was like he flew over. Well, he was like, ah, oh, I missed the, missed the dot. Yeah, I mean, at the time, he didn't probably have the instrumentation to know where it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, because you got to have the coordinates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, and just let me let me be clear. Like, we don't do the Santa Claus thing in our house. Okay. Okay. Um, so I grew up with it. Yeah. And and the, the, the logic that I always hear is, well, if you sing it, you're teaching people he's omnipresent and omniscient. Mm-hmm. Never once was that taught to me. In fact, I don't have a friend that grew up playing Santa Claus that ever thought Santa Claus was omniscient and omnipresent. Mm-hmm. So none of my friends confused him from Christ. Right. Okay. The second, my second problem with that is that we're zeroing in on a Christmas tune as if that is the totality of what we tell our kids. Mm. Okay. So I would say this, Santa doesn't make you a bad parent. Bad parenting makes you a bad parent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to me, Santa Claus is a cultural thing that parents do to have fun with their kids. Okay. Uh, and at some point they tell their kids, yeah, it was just a fun game. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, it's more in the fiction category than the fact category. Right. Okay. 
So if you just played Santa with your kids and at some point you tell your kids, that's okay. They had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you lied to them. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that you led them astray. I think it does come down to how you do it too. Yes. Okay. So if you, if you lied to them and say, Oh, Santa's omniscient and omnipresent. And then you're later like, well, it was yeah. me. Well, yeah. You know what? Parents use it as a manipulative tool. Yes, and I would say that's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I would agree with you at 100%. Oh, and and really, like, just any kind of manipulation through fear of yes. not getting something is not good. Yes. Yeah, if you don't do this, you're, you're not going to, you know, yes. you're not going to be Santa's loved. Santa's not coming. Yeah, Santa's not going to love you or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think the main thing is you have to teach your kids the gospel and live the gospel out. Amen. And if you're doing that year-round and then you want to play Santa, then play Santa. Yeah. I, I personally don't care. Yeah. Like, Play Santa as a fiction character. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, and I think the thing is, like, when I found out the truth, I realized it was kind of fun. It was fun and games. I didn't feel like my parents lied to me. I didn't feel like they were trying to deceive me. I didn't feel like they were, like, nefariously, like, trying to manipulate me. You just kind of realized it was a fun tradition they grew up doing. Mm -hmm. It was a fun tradition we did. It was funny. Like, four years ago, my kid, Zach, came to me and said, Dad, we know Santa Claus isn't real. I said, okay. And they said... Will you put cookies out? Can we put cookies out? And see, my dog's super excited about this conversation. <laughs> and, and they said, can you put, can we still put cookies and carrots out? Yeah. And I was like, I mean, so you just want to pretend put cookies and carrots out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we, did, we didn't even play it. We didn't even do it. We never promoted it. And the funny part is they still wanted to have fun with the game of it, yeah. knowing the truth. It's, it's, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I mean, we, uh, my, my kids, like, you know, when they lose a tooth, they, they, they like shake my wife, mom. Yeah. Just to let you know, I'm putting a tooth under the pillow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't forget. Okay, mom. Don't yeah. forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because they know, they know where they know it's all play. Yes. You know, but they also know that we're serious about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's uh it's it's kind of funny how that you know, yeah, it's I get it. It's contentious. There's somebody that's going to listen to this, they're going to be mad at me for saying it. I get it. I hear you. The only thing I would say to you is I think you're blowing out of proportion the role that that song Santa Claus is coming to town plays in light of the context. Yeah. Right? And I would I would say if you teach your kids where truth comes from, hmm. right? So if, if you are concerned that that song is teaching truth, then I would argue, what are you teaching your kids? Hmm. Truth comes from scripture, not from some jingle that you hear, you know, Santa baby, mm-hmm. mama ran over Santa, you know, uh, you know, saw Santa, you know, Papa or mama kissing Santa Claus last night. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you're teaching them that's truth, you have bigger problems than playing Santa Claus. Yep. And so I, I always kind of push back like, listen, put understand first categorically where things are. Now, and I also get it because I'm also kind of going against some of the conservative on this. But but I think in my deconstruction of what Santa is, you know, and the, he's trying to balance out what people do with the heart level, right? And, that, and that's where the difficulty comes. And for some people, they just can't see how the heart and the outer work together. Hmm. Okay. And so... Um, yeah, I tend to teach my children the, the historical person of St. Nicholas. Yeah. That turned into 
the fictional char- character Santa Claus. Yes. And, and they get it. And they, they still yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. And they, uh, <laughs> it's because it's funny because their cousins believe Santa Claus and they're like totally br- uh, shattered their, uh, their, uh, uh, their Santa Claus uh, belief um, by yes. saying, well, Santa Claus is not real. And, like, and we're like, shh. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny uh, because we did teach our kids, do not tell a soul that Santa isn't real. Uh-huh. And in all the people I know who think it's sinful to play Santa Claus, they tell their kids the same thing. Uh. And I kind of want to now ask them, so you think parents potentially are going to, you think Christians are par- potentially going to shatter their Christian testimony for playing Santa? Then why would you not advocate to your kids mm-hmm. to break the lie and tell them the truth about Santa? Mm. Because that, what if your kids lose? I mean, right? Let's let's play out that logic. What if your kids then use that Santa Claus logic too? Right? Like, oh, I found out Santa wasn't real, and you knew the whole time, and you didn't tell me. So how can I trust you about the gospel? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't do that. Right. So the logic kind of breaks down. And I think the reason the logic breaks down is because we don't understand categorically where Santa is. Yeah. Santa's in fun and game fiction. Like people who, you know, Harry Potter is, is fun and, a, and it's a fun book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Lord of the Rings is fun. It's a fun book. But if you think Lord of the Rings is real, you have some other problem with you. Right. Yeah. So to me, it's just a fiction and it's something that parents can do for fun. And so when parents come and say, can I do Santa? Sure. I don't care. Mm. I, I always just tell them, just don't lie to him. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't make up things that you're later going to regret. Right. You know, but if you're going to be like, yeah, Santa came, that's fine. I just want my kids to know I gave him the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I say that as somebody who doesn't play Santa. Why are we letting some fictional character take credit for the gifts we bought them? That right. Is, right. What? Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, I I'm okay with people uh, disagreeing with me on this. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I just when I hear the uh, by and I have an article on Parking Space Twenty Three about why I don't why parenting doesn't parent uh, Santa doesn't make you a bad parent. Right. Bad, uh, honestly, bad parenting makes you a bad parent. Yes. And There's so uh, much more that goes into bad parenting than yes. Santa. Yep. And I do remember all the guys on Parking Space at the time agreed with me on that. Okay. Um, and so I'm not alone in this. And this Santa thing. Uh, right. I just think, too, that, um, I mean, you know, have fun. Yeah. Don't don't make, don't let Santa ruin Christmas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's, there's our Santa answer. Yeah. How long are we on this? It feels, I don't know. like we've been. Well, the dog was, the dog was barking at me. I don't know why she was barking yeah. at me. Yeah. She doesn't like your Santa theory. I think she was excited. I think sometimes she forgets that we're here. <laughs> and then she like wakes up from a nap and hears us. And she's like, oh, come say hi. I don't oh, know. Wow. So Dumb. anyway, uh, again, feel free to disagree with me on Santa. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, this is the thing too, right? About theology and about scripture is the truth is the truth. I think if you're teaching your people about your kids, about Jesus Christ and where salvation comes from, then they're looking to scripture for the gospel message. Yep. If we're not teaching them that, then, you know, I always hear people will be like, well, you know, the media says this and it's influencing people. Yeah. In fact, I heard that earlier today and I thought, why would you be concerned about that? Teach your kids that truth comes from scripture, not from commercials. I think you do more harm like, like, you know, you're all about the truth, but then you have zero love, kindness, patience. Yes. You're, you're, you're at that point, you're not being a good parent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's more serious than, than yes. playing Santa Claus. Yep. Yep. Be, you know, uh, I actually would say 
uh, what's worse than playing Santa Claus is letting your kids play video games for five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. Like letting them be glued to every electronic device mm-hmm. is way worse than your Santa Claus playing. I agree. Yep. But, you know, some truth issues, uh, you know, that's the way I've kind of dispelled this out from Scripture and thought through it and deconstructed it and put it together. And if you disagree, it's okay. I I would argue that this is not a uh, salvation issue. It's not a uh, Trinity issue. It's not a sin sanctification issue, Mm -hmm. you know. Unless you're teaching Santa Claus is, unless you're lying to your kids. Yes, and teaching them Santa Claus is God. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a God. Right. I think that's my thing. I think when I hear people say you can't play Santa Claus, I always think they inflate those things as if people think they're scripture. Mm. And to me, it's like everybody I know who ever played Santa, they all understood it was yeah. a game and had fun with it. And by the way, I've never met anybody that grew up playing Santa that was mad at their parents when they found out. Mm. So I think people are smart enough to kind of get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tradition. Yep. And it's an American tradition. And you know what? Sometimes it's okay to have traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't let those traditions. Well, you know this because some cultures tradition is on par with the gospel. Yes. And that's where it gets bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly the condemnation of Israel. Their traditions yes. over overtook the, the, the word of God. Yes. I mean, it was completely forgotten. Yes. You had to find it. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and I've, I've been in another culture in another part of the world where I felt like there were some traditions of the country that, well, I can't believe that because that goes against our tradition. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's what the gospel clearly says, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's why even at some level, right. Uh, as much as I love the United States, I don't want to be American first Christian second, mm-hmm. you know, I'm willing to part ways with nationalism or with, with being proud with, with being pro America. Mm-hmm. If the gospel's at stake. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful for where I live. Yeah. Yeah, but but you know what I mean? So that that kind of like... I'm pro-America in a sense that we need to shepherd our people here. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? Like yep. like God recognizes boundaries. Yes. And yeah. we care for these people here. Yep. First. And I'm pro-capitalism. Yeah, pro-capitalism. Because but I also recognize that's, that's not... Nobody was called a false teacher in Scripture because they weren't a capitalist. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I just... That's kind of, to me, the Santa's more of a freedom issue. Yeah. Um, and so before I cast stones at a family for playing Santa, I would, you know, I think you could do it sinfully and I think you could do it okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can be, we can still be gracious and patient, even if they did it wrong. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, that's the reality too, is a lot of us, I mean, There's I don't, none there. of us are perfect parents. Yeah. There are worse things. Yeah. And the reality is, man, like, some of us are trying to, you know, when your kids become teenagers, it's become diffi- it's become difficult some days. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, Lord, I don't believe anybody that tells me they parented their teens perfectly anymore mm-hmm. because it can be frustrating. Yeah. But there are some days where you're like, wow, Lord, that's really cool. It's really cool when you see the adult come out with it in them. And it's frustrating when you see the young kid come out in them. Mm. And sometimes that's in within five minutes. Yeah. You know, where it's like super adulty takes initiative, and then the next minute you're like, "What are we doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't tell the difference between your eight year old and your teenager. Ah, <sighs> yeah, I don't so, have teenagers yet. No, nah, well, um, just get your food budget ready. Oh no, my budget's been blowing up already. So, 
Well, yeah. They, they're eating a lot. Oh, yeah. Your food budget. Yeah. It's going to be a little bigger than my food budget. Yeah. Although you have girls. Yeah. So that'll kind of help you out. Yeah. They, they used to eat a lot. They eat a lot less than they used to. It's weird. Yeah. Do girls go through a phase where they're like, you know, where they eat a lot more? They, they do. Like when they were uh, like three. Yeah. For whatever reason, they were like pounding the food. Huh. And then now they eat like birds. Really? Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, obviously we've kind of moved <laughs> away from Christmas, but Christmas. Uh, just thinking of family and parenting and you can look up that article if you want on uh, parking space 23, um, why Santa doesn't make you a bad parent. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah, honestly, top 10 concern of mine during Christmas is not whether or not you play Santa or not. Yep. Uh, some, again, somebody's going to listen to this and be mad at me. Yeah, we can talk. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Well, All right. anything else? Yeah. So, I don't know. Just maybe a summary? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's, let's summarize what Christmas is about. See, yeah. that's it. Make your life about is, not yeah. what you're against. Be for something, not against something. Yeah. Christmas is about Christ. Yeah. It's about the fact that he has come. Yeah. He's come in the flesh. He has dwelt among us. He was like us in every way, yet without sin. He was spotless, blameless, Mm -hmm. the blameless Lamb of God who died on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. In our place condemned he stands, died our death, Mm -hmm. and because of that pardons us from the death penalty, forgives us, declares us righteous, Mm -hmm. sets us apart, Unites us to him, gives us the hope of the resurrection. Romans 6, we died with him, buried with him, raised with him. We are going to have eternal life with him. Mm. And so Christmas is not just about the first coming. It's about that looking forward to the kingdom where we're going to sit with him around the banquet table, loving him, enjoying him. The trials of this world are going to be gone. We're not going to talk about Santa Claus. Mm. We're not even going to care about the gifts we got at any Christmas. We're not going to think back on the good and bad Christmases. We're going to celebrate who is there, not just Christ, but the other believers that are at the banquet table. We are going to enjoy them. We're going to love them perfectly. They're going to love us perfectly. We're not going to be asking forgiveness. Mm. We're going to have true worship where we serve Christ and love Christ for all eternity. Yeah, we'll be content. Yes. Like we, we, we will never have, we will not have want or yes. need. Yep. And we'll be thankful all the time. Yes. And that's and, a good thing. Yep. That's a, that's a part of our worship. Yeah. I mean, that's the heart of worship. Yep. Being content and thankful. Yep. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Yep. Well, Merry we Christmas. Love you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you, again, if you have questions or cries of outrage, feel free to email us, chat. If you're not a part of Cornerstone, go talk to your pastors and do what they say. All right. Amen. We love you. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.